This is Ron Moss from the heart. I uh, was reflecting on a story, not a, not a story, but on a life experience. I guess that's what I wanted to say that happened. I think when I was in, I think middle school, yeah, I was in middle school. Um, at the time I was living on a naval base in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and or what we call base housing. And I had friends at uh, Princess Anne Junior High School, where I went to junior high school in Virginia Beach. And and one of our friends uh, lived in Sandbridge, and, uh, which was right on the beach, on the water. And he had a, uh, a weekend party, weekend birthday party. And, uh, and me and Alan, uh, I won't say his last name, but me and Alan was invited to the party. We were the only two African-Americans that were invited to the party. It ended up being about eight of us, and and me and Alan were the only two African-Americans at the party. Uh, um, parents gave us permission to go. Uh, we get there, we meet his parents, which are very nice people. Uh, they kind of gave the parameters and the rules for how we would conduct ourselves because they had these eight young knuckleheads uh, Including their son in their house in the in the in the basement part of the house uh, for the whole weekend. I remember, uh, of course, the, the main thing we all wanted to do was walk out onto on the water and and just kind of experience this whole uh, uh, living situation or uh, houses that were some were on stilts or, or high up and some were low and some were high up. Uh, all because of the the water coming in, and, uh, and I mean I just remember, you know, of course you, when you're living on base housing you, and you get into another environment, and you go, wow, this is this is pretty neat. And and I remember one night, uh, that Saturday night, because we all got there that Friday and then that Saturday, uh, we were having a cookout, and and some other people came, uh, adults came for the cookout, and and. Uh, and I remember at one point I had to go to the restroom and I remember asking uh, the mother, could I go to the restroom? And she pointed out and that was up because we were up. We weren't at the basement level. We were up on the first level. And uh, and I remember hearing her say that, you know, this is the first time that we've ever had any black people in our house, more or less stay for the weekend. But our son said that they these these were his friends too, and we didn't want to tell him that he couldn't do that. And uh, and so uh, I remember the other person saying, you know, just be careful and just kind of look after your stuff because they're known to to take stuff. And you know, and and for a minute, you know, I'm young. I'm not really, you know, political or or, or you know, I'm not working for office or. You know, I'm just having fun, but it stayed with me. You know, it kind of like stayed with me. Like, why, why would they think? What, what, if, what are we doing, or what am I doing? I, I just asked to use the bathroom. How is that equated to me possibly taking or stealing something out of here? I mean, we couldn't do it at school because all we did was go to school, and I ran track, so I didn't. So I was trying to figure out in my mind what brought on that conversation to, you know, make us think that, you know, we were bad. 
Uh, I don't know. Didn't think anything else about it. You know, went outside, had a good time. We played games. I remember playing volleyball and eating. I mean, eat, I mean, we ate so much food. It was, it was crazy. You know, uh, I think, I, <laughs> I think my my best known first fish fry uh, was with a white family, <laughs> with that family. You know, I remember eating a lot of fish, uh, and um, you know, and and it just had a ball. I, I remember that uh, Saturday night we finished up, and we all went back to the basement. And uh, I remember the guy saying, hey, you guys stay here. We'll be back. And uh, and it was me and Alan that they said, stay here. Uh, the two the two African-Americans. Uh, uh, and, you know, again, not thinking anything about it for a second, <clears throat> for a second, you know, we're saying, OK, I wonder why, you know, OK, you know, we're enjoying ourselves playing games and watching TV. So I guess I, I guess in, in, in a sense we were preoccupied anyway. So it was all good. You know, and um, they left. Uh, I think a couple of hours went by, and I remember the mother came downstairs and said, um, Where, where's the rest of the guys at? And we said, they left. They told us to stay here, and they left, and uh, they haven't gotten back yet. And I remember her telling us to stay here, and her and her husband was going to find them. And I guess about 30 minutes later, they came back, and, uh, and, and, you know, I chastised everybody and, and, uh, and, and again, you know, uh, I remember, uh, overhearing a conversation again when it said, you know, we were expecting the trouble to come from them and they have been more well behaved than them. And again, for a second, I thought, why wouldn't we be, why wouldn't I be behaved? I was raised to, to, to respect people. I was raised to yes or no, sir. I was raised to yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I was raised to, to be respectful and, and, and treat adults the way they are supposed Why Why is it a surprise that, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I guess I'm, I'm saying this, this is Black History Month. We're still into Black History Month. And and I don't know, I, I and sometimes when I, this thing hits my heart like it does, I reflect back on my years of still being here and being 59 years old and, and the experiences that I've had through my life. I, I remember when I went out for our football team, you know, high school football team. And and I remember uh Making a team, and you know, making a team and playing uh, varsity, made the varsity team. And uh, I remember my first jersey number, I think, was 29. And uh, it was a wide receiver. God, I think his name was Harold. I can't, I, I can't remember his name. I just knew it was 29. I think he played for the Rams. And I liked 29. And I later on got 88 because I was a Lynn Swan fanatic. And, and if somebody would have told me I wouldn't Lynn Swan, I probably would have fought him on the spot. And uh, and I remember though that one of the things that that I that I that I noticed right away that our locker room I, and and it could have been not knowing it or it could have been because who you're comfortable with, but our locker room was segregated. You know, it what we weren't told to put our clothes on this side or on this side, but the blacks were on one side of the locker room, 
and the whites were on the other side of the locker room. And, and I remember it might have been one or two white guys that were in our locker room, but the majority of the white guys were in their locker room and the majority of the blacks were in their locker room. Now, we got along as football players and we were a team, but it was like almost uh, something that was fixed in you that that you you, you kind of take on this image of life where you always see the two being different or being separate and so it becomes the norm right if if most of our churches or, or particularly during that time if most of our churches were 90% 99% white and you go to the black church and the black church is 99% black it's a you know perceived norm right it's a perceived norm. It's, that's what, you know, I'm used to. And so it's not something that you see. And even in school, I can remember and didn't didn't know till later on what that possibly could have meant. I remember going through coming down the hallway and passing some classes and some of the classes were uh, predominantly white. And you might have had one or two African-Americans in that class. And then there were some classes that were predominantly black and you might have had one white person in that class. Unfortunately, for some of that, they were remedial classes. Some of us, and, 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 and you can't see it, but I got my hand raised because I can remember being in a remedial class or two. And because it was easy, I had heard that they're not going to check you. They're not going to bother you. You can pretty much go sit in that class. As long as you keep your mouth shut, you know, you'll be okay. And most of the classes, and, uh, and which I was in a couple of classes where I was uh, one or two blacks, and those classes were the classes that there was a challenge, that you had to work, that you had to do homework, you had to participate, or you would not get a grade. Uh, the, the classes that gave you a challenge, you know, and, and even in the cafeteria, you know, most of the time, you know, if, you know, you had black folks sitting in one area of the cafeteria, and you had white folks sitting in one area of cafeteria. And, of course, there was always a small fraction of folk who would sit together who didn't care whether they were black or white. They were friends. Uh, that's who they were. Now, why am I, why am I bringing all this up? I, I'm bringing it up because, again, it's, it's Black History Month, and I wanted to kind of touch on how things were and how things begin to change and it would appear that things are trying to go back to where they used to be. Because it would appear that, unfortunately, society, and I think a lot of it has to do with politics more than anything, are taking up sides. And you have a majority of folk that think one way, and you have a majority of folk that think another way. And one of the reasons why they think this way has a lot to do with the fact that they don't know each other. You, you know, when you spend most of your life and in 99% of the people you deal with are white and part of your culture is white, you don't really have a clue what's going on in the black community. You really don't have a clue what's going on in the Korean community. You really don't have a clue what's going on in the Hispanic community because you don't spend any time Matter of fact, the only time you spend is going to eat at their restaurants or possibly going into one of their 
uh, owned businesses, uh, stores. Other than that, you haven't took the time, whether it's from reading or having a relationship with that group, that different group, and getting to know who they are. And then recognizing and realizing how probably 99% of what you deal with is the same thing they deal with. Our bodies, if, if I can just say this, and for some who s- seem to have convinced themselves that they are superior, you know, uh, our bodies are 99% the same. Uh, we bleed the same. Most of us have, t- when we cry, tears come from our, from our eyes. Uh, most of us eat the same. I've never seen anybody superior or different put food in their ear and, and chew it. You know, I've never seen that happen. Uh, most of the people that I see eat, eat from their mouth like I do. Uh, so we have more things that are similar or the same than they are different, except for, except for our mind, all of our minds, our hands, our fingerprints are all different. We all think differently. And that's really the core of what our problem is. How can I expect white people or how can I expect myself to understand white people if I hadn't spent some time getting to know them, right? It's different when you speak to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? And Oh, good to see you for a few minutes. But what, what about sitting down and really having some conversations, getting to know what people go through, right? Getting to know their family structure, getting to know the ups and downs, where you walk away going, wow, man, they going through the same thing I'm going through. Wow, they, they're dealing with some of the same things I've been dealing with. Wow, they're experiencing some of the same things we experience. Why do we hate each other? Why do we treat each other so bad when we're almost the same, the mind, the mind? When you allow, when you allow things to get into your mindset, into your brain, and convince you that what they're saying or what they're doing is more important than anything else, then you've allowed them to take control of your mind, of your thoughts, and your actions, and your reactions. Now, what is all this about? If we got to know each other, I believe, because, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example of what, what, what I, why am I saying all this. Uh, most of the time, when there is a real issue that affects people of color, most of the people that you see come out of the woodwork to support or speak on that issue are the people of color. Because the people of color have experienced it and understand where that brother or sister of color are coming from. You don't hear a lot of response from the other community or white community 
because they can't understand what they don't know or what they haven't tried to learn for themselves. You know, we are lucky enough now that most historical information is online. Doesn't take too much to, to Google. You know, most we can pretty much pick anything up on our telephone, our iPads, and just take a few minutes and just study. Learn somebody, learn their culture, learn who they are, learn who's the, learn why they go through what why do they uh uh why do they react the way they do when certain things happen? It's because of history. It's because of shared situations. When your father talks about discrimination, when your mother talks about discrimination, when your grandfather talks about discrimination, when your grandmother talks about discrimination, when your aunts and uncles talk about discrimination and they share their experiences. And then when you go through something, it reminds you, oh, my God, this is the things that my parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles told me about that happened to them. And here we are 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, and it's happening to me. I, I, I really just believe that none of our problems will ever be solved until the people with power, and who are the people with power? The people who have access to media, because they reach more people, people that have access to any social media outlet, people that have access to reaching not just thousands of people, but millions of people, politicians who look past themselves and look at what they were hired to do to make their community to make their city, to make their state better instead of focusing on themselves and hopefully being in that position to retire in. So they line up with other politicians and they immediately forget the reason why they were put there. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you live in a red state or a blue state. I believe that the majority of your constituents, the majority of people that live in those communities that voted for you, I just can't believe they hate people of color. I can't believe they hate other cultures. I think at the end of the day, because of what we've heard and what we see and what's not explained on a regular basis is that people are afraid. And when you don't know somebody, when you don't know a culture, when you don't know a people, you don't love like the Bible says. You hate. You become afraid, you become scared, and you react accordingly. We don't approach situations and circumstances with love. When you interact from our culture, most of our interactions or in some of our instances of interaction with people of authority, it's not a lovely situation. Because the person who is coming at you with the authority in, in some instances already have a preconceived notion 
on what they think you are doing and what they and who they think you are. And it's norm nine times out of ten, not good. So what's the difference, Ron? What, what, what are you saying in essence? What are you what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, is that on this month of black history. I would hope that African-Americans would try to reach across the aisle and interact with some of your white neighbors. Just have a conversation. A co-worker that you work with. Say, hey, you mind us breaking, getting together for lunch one day and just talk about, you know, what's, just talk about us. I just want you to get to know who I am, know who I am my family, my background, you know, just so at least you will know one African-American. You'll know one Caucasian brother or sister. That's good people. We might share uh, uh, political differences. We might look at the world, but at the core, ultimately, we all want to get along. We all want the best for everybody. We all want to be successful. We want our kids to be successful. We want to live. We all want to live in a safe environment. We all want our kids to be be able to go to school, whether that's elementary, junior high, high school or college, and not feel like somebody can go in and shoot and kill them. We all want mostly the same things. But you can't know that if there is no true interaction you can't know that if we can't sit at the table and break some bread together. And I believe that the one way that you can do it, the one way we have to try to do it, is that we have to start talking more about love. Wouldn't it be interesting if most of, most of your interactions finished by saying, have a good day. I love you. Maybe most or maybe some might not pick up on it, but I believe most will say, wow, okay, yeah, I love you too. If you say a lie over and over and over again, some people start to believe it. If you say love over and over and over again, some people will start to believe it. We've been blessed, y'all. We've been blessed. I've, I've been looking at different cultures and people that live in Haiti, people that live in the Philippines, people that live in, in what I call, unfortunately, poor countries. That literally every day is a survival for them. And yeah, they get used to living that way like we had to get used to living the way we had to 400 years ago or for 400 years. Or, But you still want better, right? You still want things to be better. I'm sure the folk in the Philippines, they want stuff. They want things to be better. The folk in Haiti want things to be better. The people in the United States 
We have homeless people in this state that are black and white. They want better. We have uh, uh, foster care. We have young people who need to be adopted that, that, that came out of families that, for whatever reasons, didn't want them, for whatever, re- for whatever the reason is, they need love. So why don't we try? Why don't we try a little harder to try to get along instead of trying to separate ourselves from each other? Would you commit to that? I I make a commitment to that today. Would you try? I'm going to start doing it for this Black History Month and then carry it on for the rest of the year that White folks that I work with that we're very cordial with each other. I, I I'm lucky enough to be cordial with a lot of white brothers and sisters, and uh, to be able to say, "Hey, you think we can sit down one day and just have a conversation?" So they can know, and I can know that we're pretty much the same. And really, the only thing that separates us is the color of our skin. And that should never be a, a, a basis or criteria to hate. And get to a point where, well, do it under your breath for right now, right? When you see somebody say, hey, how you doing, Jeff? How you doing? You, you might not be comfortable yet saying, love your brother, love your sister. But say it under your breath so you can start to get used to it, Right? I just still believe that that there's a, a scripture, Romans 8 and 28. It says, all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, I think that we can all agree who are biblical and spiritual that one of the things that he wants from all of us is to love each other unconditionally. And he wants us to be there for each other and take care of each other. Get rid of the, the lies. Get rid of the hate. Get rid of the anger. Get rid of all of that stuff. And if you're able to get rid of all of that and fill up your inside with caring and sharing and love. Don't you know, I believe this, that this is where our blessings come from. A lot of us, including me, are frustrated because some of the things that we want or expect have not came to fruition yet. And you're asking yourself, why is this, Why can't I get some good stuff? Why isn't this happening to me? Maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that you haven't interacted with another group of people that God has been waiting on you to do for years? What if part of your blessing has to do with you loving someone from another race? Wow. Pretty deep right there. My hope and my prayer is that we will do better 
and be better and understand more and more that we all are the same. We come from one God. We come through this channel of world one or two ways. And I, when I say that, you know, I mean the C-section or the other. We come in this world. There's nobody of another race that comes in a way that's different. We have so much in common. But we need to share that information. And if you do that, when people are wrong, you have people on all sides that will speak out against it and they'll call it in order to get fixed. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. Oh, yeah. Peace.